Hello, welcome back to this latest episode of the Alter Echo Podcast, a ministry of St. John's Lutheran Church. You are listening uh, to this Alter Echo, is your scripture, scripture and message, and message for the first of no, nope, not John's the first, Lutheran the Church, Sunday. LCA, <laughs> pardon me, in the week of October, Minnesota. Sunday, Thank you October eighth, two thousand twenty-three. We uh, have somehow sprung quickly from um, second or third summer into fall this week. Uh, And I hope that you are enjoying the cool, crisp beauty that is days that are less than 70 degrees. (laughs) And that you, in this time, are also finding ways to get outside, um, experience uh, the fresh air, just being mindful and not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but mindful that winter is just around the corner sooner than we're ready for. Uh, May you carve out time to really get out into God's good creation and enjoy some of this beautiful fall time, this autumn time that God is giving to us. But with that, our scripture, if you have a Bible for today, Uh, is from the book of Matthew, chapter 21. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up your Bible to Matthew 21 and read along with me. Starting chapter 21 with verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then the landowner leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized the slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent more slaves, more than the first, and they treated these slaves in the same way. Finally, the landowner sent his son to them, saying, Surely they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the time of harvest. Jesus said, have you never read in the scriptures that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest Jesus, but they feared the crowds because they regarded Jesus as a prophet. 
the gospel of our Lord and praise to you, O Christ. So, as I'm sure by now many of you know, uh, we are in our fall stewardship season where we have a nice focus on being rich towards God and we included in that spend some of this time thinking about being generous and about giving to others. <laughs> the church included, but by no means not only the church giving to others. So in a season when we're focusing on all of these generous and open-hearted and compassionate things, <laughs> like sharing with others and sharing our compassion and our support with others, it is sort of jarring to hear this story. A story in which the tenants were not only irresponsible, that would be that we could cope with. We could handle irresponsibility in these tenants. But what we see in them is something much more significant and severe. In this parable, in the tenants who to whom the vineyard is entrusted, they not only neglect the workers who come to the vineyard, in this story they're called slaves, um, we might also translate that as servants, we hear that the tenants not only neglect them, but they do outright violence and murder to the slaves, to the workers who are sent into the vineyard by the landowner. And it's jarring, especially to a different level, because this happens not once, but twice to the slaves or the servants of the landowner, but it happens a third time, finally and ultimately, to the landowner's son. When we hear the depth of the violence in this story, there are many things that become clear to us, but it is quite apparent, uh, among other things, that the tenants have no sense of consequence for their actions, no concept of implication for their sin, no respect for the dignity of human life of these other workers who are in the vineyard with them, no sense of uplifting the value of these other human beings. Ultimately, as we think about all of this, this story has a lot to teach us about stewardship. And so in a lot of ways, it is really good and fitting and helpful that we think about a hard stewardship lesson like this one. Specifically, this story tells us a lot about generosity. And more specifically still, it tells us a lot about the depths of God's generosity and compassion toward undeserving sinful people like the tenants, like you and me, and like the church throughout the ages, including the church of the present day. Simply, God expected justice and righteousness from the tenants, from the people who were entrusted to oversee the, the overall well-being and the good of God's vineyard, or in our modern language, we might say people who were trusted to take care of 
and tend well the health and vitality of God's world. God expected righteousness and justice from them, but they engaged in pretty much the opposite, right? They engaged repeatedly in bloodshed and injustice. This story is a clear reminder for us that God's people must care for the world, that God's people must care for other people, even their enemies, even people from whom they or we have something to gain, even people we must care for who it would be easy to treat as unimportant or disposable people. So, as stewards and caretakers of God's vineyard, of God's world, creation included, we should not judge others or use them for our own benefit, but we should embrace and regard with dignity, at the very least, our fellow humans as brothers and sisters in God's good creation. The story... (laughs) also gives us an astonishing and haunting picture of the lengths God is willing to go to to connect with and care for the tenants and for us, despite our most egregious sins. This story shows us in almost a ridiculous manner how gracious and merciful God is that God is willing to make an absurd and unthinkable sacrifice to connect with us and to save us from the sin that is literally killing us and others. God was willing to send God's own son into the vineyard, into our world, to expose the depth of our greed to call to attention the lengths of what we have compromised for the sake of other priorities. This story shows us the kind of God we serve that is trying to make a way for us even with this level of violence and other bad behavior. Let's think commandments for a minute. The fifth commandment is, of course, thou shall not kill. And in his small catechism, our favorite Martin Luther says, we are to fear and love God so that, and this is important, so that we do not hurt our neighbor in any way, but help our neighbor in all their physical needs. This is a big one. So I want to say that again. Thou shall not kill expands to include. We are to fear and love God so that we do not hurt our neighbor in any way, but help our neighbor in all their physical needs. If we, as workers in the vineyard, as people of faith, to whom it has been entrusted to be good stewards and good caretakers of God's creation, of God's church, of God's people, of our own selves. If we are to be good stewards and good caretakers of this, 
then it is quite specifically ours to refrain from hurting our neighbor in any way. Murder, yes, but also other kinds of harm, danger, and detriment. But also, if we're going to be good stewards and good caretakers of the kingdom, we must also help our neighbor with all of their physical needs. God is clear about God's desire for us in this story that the kingdom is given to those who produce and contribute to good fruit, to good growth, to good things coming to life from the vineyard, from the world, from the church, from the kingdom of God. God desires for us to produce good fruit, good results, things that contribute to the health and vitality and well-being of all of God's creatures and people. So here we look to our first reading from Galatians chapter 5, which many of you might know as a summary of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit are similar, but not quite the fullness of the fruits of the kingdom. But they do help us to understand what God is talking about and the way to produce the fruits of the kingdom. If we can live with the fruits of the Spirit incorporated into our daily lives, not perfectly, but as guiding visions, the fruits of the Spirit, these things can keep our focus on what God desires for the health and well-being of our lives, of our community, of our church, and for our world. And these fruits run in direct defiance to all that led to violence and destruction from those tenets. The fruits of the Spirit are in direct defiance of greed and envy and enmity and strife. And the fruits of the Spirit can direct our actions toward the growing of God's dreams for the kingdom, of justice and peace, and creating a world in which not only all can live, but all can thrive and have their daily bread and maybe even just a little more. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, these are a strong foundation for us of resisting the temptation toward idolatry and greed and ego. And a pathway for us in faith to live well for others. So, tenants, workers in the vineyard, we have to ask ourselves today, are we producing the fruits of the kingdom or not? Are we abiding in the fruits of the Spirit in ways that contribute to good, to well-being, to vitality for life and newness for creation and for God's beloved people for the world? One more thing. We see that in the story, in the parable, ultimately the landowner sent his son into the vineyard, confident that finally his son would be respected and stop the cycle of violence and death and destruction. We, who are Easter people, know the end of the story, and we know 
that when God's own son is given, he does put a stop to sin and death and violence. We know that Jesus, who becomes the cornerstone of our faith, is the foundation upon which we finally open our eyes and emphatically say no more and refuse to contribute to systemic injustice that only perpetuates ongoing cycles of violence and sin and death. History repeats itself. We know this. Violence leads only to more violence, which is why we need Jesus, the chief cornerstone of the kingdom of God, the rock upon which the cycle of violence will ultimately be broken. Our God is far more generous than we deserve. We, the tenants of the vineyard, of God's vineyard and God's kingdom, clearly are sinful people who do not deserve the depth of the generosity that God is willing to share with us. It's not about being deserving. Generosity never is. So today, may we rejoice in the good news that our God is endless generosity. Our God is boundless compassion. Our God is willing to send person after person, servant after servant, God is willing to send God's own precious and beloved son to us so that we can take a a good and hard and important look at ourselves and our church and our community and see, one, where we are not producing the fruits of the kingdom and where we need to make some changes. And God sends servants and God sends his own son so that we can also see where we are producing the fruits of the kingdom and where we can grow these fruits of the kingdom for the sake of the good harvest. God grows a good harvest among us. Let us be good and faithful workers who are generous and compassionate following the example of Christ so that the kingdom may flourish around us. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again, anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us, out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now in support this podcast and of the work and ministry of St. John's Lutheran Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat that for you, sjlcl.org. Up toward the top right, you will see a button that says Give. Click on Give and follow the simple instructions to give your offering. And on behalf of the whole congregation, let me say thank you for giving in support of these ministries. And now, receive a blessing from Kate Bowler from her book, The Lives We Actually Have. This is a blessing called, For This Ordinary Day. 
Lord, here I am. How strange it is that some days feel like hurricanes and others like glassy seas and others like nothing much at all. Today is a cosmic shrug. My day planner says rather conveniently that I will not need you, cry out for you, reach for you. Ordinarily, I might not think of you at all. Except, if you don't mind, let me notice you. Show up in all the small necessities and everyday graces. God, be bread. Be water. Be laundry. Be the coffee cup in my hands and the reason to calm down in traffic. Be the gentler tone in my insistence today that people pick up after themselves for once. Be the reason I feel loved when I catch my own reflection or feel my own self-loathing fluttering in my stomach. Calm my mind, lift my spirit, make this dumb, ordinary day my prayer of thanks. Amen, and peace be with you, my friends.